We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. I keep asking that God the Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. Welcome to Faith Church. We're really glad you're here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally yet, my name is Matthew and serve as one of the pastors here. And it's great to be back and uh, preaching. Last Sunday I had a lot of fun hanging out in the parking lot saying hi to a lot of you. Many of you had a shocked look on your face when you drove past me. I appreciate you all waving with all of your fingers. That was always a good <laughs> sign as you're coming into church. That was a wonderful thing to, to see. And a couple weeks ago I got the privilege of hanging out with my brother-in-law for his birthday and a little bit of an early birthday trip for me, playing some golf in a beautiful North Carolina in the mountains of Asheville. It was absolutely gorgeous, but uh, I miss being here and uh, I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready. Um, if you have your Bibles, join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to spend a, a good amount of our time there today and uh, kind of walk through a big heavy chunk of scripture. Um, and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe and to speak some things into our heart. We've been in a collection of sermons entitled, The Practice of Obedience. And our desire is to walk in the way of Jesus, to walk in His way, to go after Him, to pursue Him, to live our life as He lived His life. And as Christ's followers... We're not called just to get to heaven one day, but rather we're called to live as ambassadors of heaven, pointing people to this Jesus as living witnesses. And we started this collection talking about how the source of your obedience isn't you. You're not the center of your story. You're not the center of your life, and you aren't the one who does the saving work in your life. It's actually God through his salvation and what his son did, and through the spirit drawing you to believe in Jesus that allows you to receive the free gift of salvation through his grace. And from that place of being reborn in Christ, being saved, that's how we can then obey. Without that, there is no obedience. It's he's the source, he's the root, he's the one that is fueling our obedience. In the second week, Pastor Clayton brought a great message talking about the strength of obedience. How the strength of obedience is found in the standard of God's word. And how he used a great illustration about kids growing and progressing in Little League. How the rules progressively got more um, kind of restricted, if you will. The rules got a little bit more clear and the skill required to play got a little better because the, the, the role in our lives, when we say yes to following Jesus, we're not supposed to stay baby Christians. We're not supposed to be staying in the kiddie pool of faith. We're actually called to grow, mature, and develop and, and change as we go. And the strength of our obedience is found in the last thing that we did when we obeyed. 
There is strength in your obedience when you take one step. Then you take a next step. And the momentum and the strength of obedience grows as you walk it out. And last week, Pastor Carrie brought a great message as she talked about the restraint of obedience. How often it's in choosing to say no to everything and just saying yes to how Jesus did it. Like we can walk in the way of Jesus and walk out our obedience as we choose to follow him. And sometimes being obedient and practicing our obedience is sometimes found in saying no to some things and saying yes to other things. And trying to figure out which is right to say yes to and which is right to say no to requires us to restrain ourselves to just live as Jesus did. To say, how can we radically reclaim the way of Jesus? How can we radically discover what does it mean to love God with our strength, with our ability, with our energy, with our life, with the things that God's given us? How can we love him in that way? And this is really what we've been kind of talking about. And today I was going to bring one message and be done, and we we're going to celebrate Mother's Day and then start a new collection of messages later this month. But um, for the last two weeks, the Lord has just been asking me to stop for a minute. And I thought it would probably be good to go ahead and obey what I felt like the Lord was saying while we're teaching on obedience. I don't know, it just seemed like a good idea to me. Uh, and so we're going to slow down and stop and, and talk about something because here's what, I, here's what I believe to be true. Most of us want to walk the way of Jesus. Most of us really do, man, we, we want to do this Christian life the way God wants us to do it. Like, that's why we keep gathering on Sunday to hear the word, to know what it says, and to figure out a way to embed it into our lives. We want to do it. Like, like we're not here just to, like, kill time, right? Like, there's a lot of other things you could do more entertaining than sit in this room every week. Most of us, it's not that we don't want to obey God. And most of us, it, it, it comes down to really one of two reasons why we don't obey God. No, number one, we don't obey God because we're not sure what he says to do. And it's all kind of new to us. And we're like, I, I don't know. Like I see people posting stuff on social and I think, okay, maybe that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm not sure if that's right, but it seems kind of good. It makes sense to me. So maybe that's it. And, 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 and we're trying to remember, well, how did grandma do it? Grandma seemed to always go to church, and I, I think she's in heaven, so let me like, figure out how grandma did it, and maybe that's the way I got to do it. And, and, and we're just, but to be honest, we're a little bit on the ignorant side as to what it actually means to walk in the way of Jesus. So it's not that our hearts are wrong and we don't want to, it's just that we don't know what to do. And then for some of us, it's not that we don't know what to do. We know what to do, but we feel absolutely helpless and powerless to do it. Like, that's way too much. Like I, like, I know the way of Jesus requires me to forgive. I just, like, don't think I can actually forgive. Because there's been a lot of jerks in my life. And I got a long list of people that I'd really like to give a piece of my mind to. And forgiveness is not on that list of what I'd like to say. Like, we, we, we want to do it, but, like, we feel really powerless because there are some addictions, there are some sins, there are some mindsets that haven't been changed, and we're not sure we really want to. 
And so rather than conforming our life to the standard of God's word, we take God's standard and conform it to our world. And we don't do it maliciously, but we have done it nonetheless. Because it's not that the source of our obedience isn't clear. We know we've been saved by grace, and there's nothing we can do to change that, and it's a wonderful gift. And we recognize that God does have standards, and there are, there are ways in which he, he wants us to do this, and there's strength found in that. And, and we know that, that we ought to be living with some restraint, because, I mean, let's be honest, we can't all go crazy, because... That's obviously not going to be a good thing for everybody. And so like, so like we know like we need some restraint and we need some of those things. But, but what we're missing is the understanding that there is a spirit-empowered obedience available to you. And I've got good news for us today. If we want to walk in obedience, but we don't know what that means, we're going to talk about it. And for those of you that know what we should be doing, what it means to walk in the way of Jesus, we just feel helpless to do anything about it. I've got good news for you. We're going to do something about that too. Because Jesus has given you everything that you need as it pertains to life and godliness. And when you practice obedience, when I practice obedience, we are living a god honoring life, a godly life. That's what it looks like to walk in the way of Jesus. See, the idea of loving God through the practice of our obedience is radically countercultural to our world today. I just need you to know that. That if you're going to do it God's way, it will cause you to radically look different. I'm not saying that means like on the outside, people looking at you are like, okay, I don't know what they believe, but like I ain't in on that. Right? Like, doesn't mean you have to have like a, a mean face on your look, right? Like you have to do your hair a certain way, wear certain clothes. That's not what it means. That's not what holiness actually looks like. But there is a way in which the practice of our obedience will lead us to a radically countercultural way. In other words, there are some in the world and especially some that I have seen over the last eh, while, I'll say it that way, within the body of Christ, we have begun to replace obedience with God. Our, we've replaced our obedience to God's standard with an allegiance to ourselves as God. We have replaced obedience to God no matter what as his standard is our standard. We've replaced it to an allegiance to ourself. So we have self-help and self-care. And we have self-esteem. And we have self-improvement. And we have all sorts of things with the self. And you might like, but pastor, I, think, I, th I thought self-care is good and mental care is good. Absolutely, it's 100%. And I think all these things are good. The problem is when our first response is, I don't know what I think about that. Instead of, I wonder what God says about that. There's a shift where our first rethought is, I don't know what I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about the State of the Union address. That wasn't really a State of the Union address, but it was something similar to it. I don't know how I feel about that. Doesn't really matter how you feel about it because we've called to a different standard. Doesn't really matter what happens in our world. I mean, it matters, don't get me wrong, but it's not gonna dictate how I live my life. 
I have a different standard. I, I, don't, I don't really care what the weather does today. I'm, I'm not trying to figure out, I wonder what I think about all of the weather changes in our world today. I, you know, to be honest, like, it's changing, cool, right? I'm still gonna love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Like, I don't, I don't really need to figure out what I think about X, Y, or Z. I, I'm gonna find a different standard, and I'm gonna live according to his standard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in his way. It's not how do I feel about how that person treated me. It's about what do I need to do in order to continue to walk in the ways of God. It's, it's a different, I, I, don't, I don't really care on some levels about things. I mean, I care deeply. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me say I don't care. I absolutely care about lots of things. But it doesn't impact me, and it's not my first source. We have to move from an allegiance to ourselves. See, we've, we've come to the point where what we do is, instead of running a 100-yard dash, we run a 90-yard dash and call it 100 yards. Why? Because we just like changing the standards to fit ourselves rather than looking what the standard of God's word says and say, I'm going to walk his way. Because we would rather not feel like, a, like we've come up short rather than walk according to the holiness of which God has called us to. It's going to get really quiet in here, and I know it, and I'm really okay with that. Because the good news is you're not up to fix it yourself. The Spirit of God wants to fill you and empower you to walk in the way of Jesus because you're not going to be able to do it on your own anyhow. So we give God our affinity, but we stop short of our allegiance. We love the rescue of God. We just don't want him to reorder our life. We love the idea of God loving us, but we stop short of actually returning him our whole heart. For one reason or we don't feel worthy we don't feel like we could do it we feel helpless to do it or we don't really know what it looks like we want to obey but we just feel powerless to obey we love the 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 the, the motivational you can do it girl self-help memes and quotes we just haven't discovered that there's a different way. Self-help isn't the way. Self-sacrifice and surrender to the way of Jesus is the way. There is only one way. I love how the message paraphrase a paraphrase is Matthew 16, verse 24 and 26. This is Jesus look at his disciples and he said, anyone who wants to, in, who, anyone who intends, I love that word, anyone who intends to come after me and come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is not help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It's my way, Jesus says, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose your self what could you ever trade for your actual soul we live in a world that tells us to go after pleasure to go after these experiences to go after a certain status and what we find ourselves as in the pursuit of those things we have actually desensitized our heart to the ways of jesus and we've tried to shift the standard back to make 
an appeasement for what it actually means it looks like. And I believe that God, I believe that Jesus is calling back his church to reclaim the radical way of Jesus, to walk out our obedience, to, to, to put some action to the words that we sing week in and week out. So, so that on Thursday, people look at us and be like, that person must love Jesus. See, if they're not seeing that on Thursday, they sure as heck aren't seeing it on Sunday. And there ought to be a consistency in our life. It doesn't mean we're going to do perfect, friends. Remember, the source of our obedience isn't our own strength, isn't our own self. It's not our own self-ingenuity, our own effort. It's not that. It's his spirit at work in us, his grace that's been poured out in our hearts. It's his love that's been deeply and unlimitedly poured out in your life through the Holy Spirit that allows you to exemplify a little bit of God's love in the world around you. That's what it's about. It's all him at work in us. The reality is this, friends. If we're going to practice obedience, we need to understand a couple things. Number one, it's going to be really simple, and we're going to move quick to get to Ephesians 4. Jesus gave us a twofold commandment, two, a command, not a suggestion, not a, hey, if you think it's a good idea and it fits into your Western society, go ahead and do it. No, it, this is a command of God, like the standard. Here you go. Are you ready? Mark 12, 30 and 31. It's our theme verse as a church for this year. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Two commands that you and I are supposed to be practicing every day. Are we going to get it right? No, that's why it's called practice, not perfection. We're called to practice, not perform. But we practice two things, loving God and loving people. There's a lot of, uh, I'm going to use this term, and some of you may understand it, some of you not. There's a lot of woke teaching out there right now that focuses on the love of God or what they are calling the love of God. It's, we're going to call it God's love, but we're, what we're really going to do is erase the standard of God. Later in this collection, we're going to talk about how the holiness of God supersedes the love of God and how the Bible talks more about the holiness of God than it talks about the love of God. And the love of God only has an impact because there's a standard of his holiness. If, if Jesus loved people by lowering a standard to appease their behavior, that wouldn't be love and it wouldn't transform anybody's life. It is only from the strength of a standard that we then show love that there's actually possible for life change and heart transformation. But that's for another sermon on another day. Two commands he gave us. What does it look like to obey and walk in obedience? It's a twofold command. Love God and love people. Loving God with everything. You can't love people if you don't love God. 
Later this year, we're going to do a collection all about relationships. And in that collection, we're going to talk about how we ought to be using our thriving relationship with God as the template and practice zone for how we love and relate to people. But instead, what we tend to do is treat how do we relate with people and how have I seen it in human relationship? And that's how we begin to treat God. And it's backwards. Starts with God as the source. Jesus gave us a twofold commandment. Love God, love people. But he didn't just give us a twofold commandment. Jesus gives his people, his church, a unified commission. Somebody say commission. A unified commission. We find this in two places, really, and kind of merge them together. In Mark 16, 15, and 18, it says this. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They can pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. The commission of Jesus was to go. I know some of you like heard go, yay. And then I started talking about like tongues and sick people and snakes. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've seen some stuff on cable, pastor. I've seen those weird things. Later this collection, I'll actually explain what Jesus is talking about. But you got to come back for that one. Matthew 28. Here's the other part where we see the commandment of Jesus. He says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. Teaching them to obey, to practice obedience teach them to obey everything i've commanded you and remember i am with you always to the very end of the age what is the commandment or the commission the unified commission that jesus gives us here's what it is go proclaim the good news make disciples baptize them and teach them to obey. Now teach them how to live a good life. Teach them how to live a God-honoring life. Teach them how to live a Christ-centered, life-giving, spirit-empowered life. That's what it means. Jesus didn't call you to go to heaven. Friends, the goal of following Jesus is not getting to heaven when you die. If the ultimate goal and your mission in life was just to get people to heaven, if the goal of our life was only to get people to heaven, when you got baptized, we would fulfill all obedience. And when the bubble stopped, we would rejoice and say, glory, they finished their life an assignment for God. They got to heaven. And in case you're wondering, that's not what we do here. <laughs> Some of you are near is like, that's baptism like that's. These people are serious. No. Why? 
Because the goal of your life of faith is not to get to heaven. The goal of your life is to become a disciple who is taught to obey the way of Jesus and be a living witness in our world. And to help someone else become a disciple too. We're not good at becoming disciples, which means we're not really good right now at making disciples. Friends, this whole year for us, this idea of practice, these collections of sermons that we've been doing here, it has had one desire, one aim, to teach you how to be a disciple, to practice the radical way of Jesus. Listen, living a Christian life, a life that is Christ-like, simply means imitating Jesus through our obedience. And you're like, what, what exactly does that mean, pastor? It doesn't mean that you're going to have to wear like a little loincloth, get whipped with a, a whip, and like get nailed on a cross. That's not literally what we're talking about. But there are some things that we are called to let go of, some things we're called to put away, and there's some things we're called to put on. And this is what we find in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 17. We're going to roll all the way through chapter 5 and verse 20. And when my time's up, we're going to stand, we're going to take communion, and we're going to come back again, and we're going to pick it right back up. Because we need to understand not only what does it look like to live a Christ-like life, we need to understand that Jesus doesn't live us helpless he actually wants to give us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the Christ-like life. What do you mean? I mean Jesus himself was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and empowered by the Spirit to live his own life. And if Jesus needed help doing it, if Jesus needed the Spirit before he started his ministry, I sure as heck do. And so do you. Because you're not going to live a life that practices obedience without the Spirit empowering you to do it. Otherwise, you would have already been doing it. I would have already been doing it. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, I think is a master class summary from the Apostle Paul on what does it look like for a life to practice obedience. What, what specifically, Paul, does that mean? What, what does that really get into? And so I want to pick it up starting in verse 17 says this, it says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, or pagans, as people who don't follow Jesus. That's what he's saying. So, so I insist, we don't live as the pagans and Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. What was the futility of their thinking? That they could do it on their own, and that self-help was the way to go. It's not. There's a different standard, there's a different way, there's a different starting point. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. In other words, they're living a life doing everything they can for a sensual pleasure. 
That's not just a sexual statement. That's anything that would get them going in the morning, anything that would get them excited, any thrill that they needed, anything that they thought, this is what it looks like. I want to live this life. I want to I go to the beach all the time. I want to have a lot of money all the time. Like all of the sensual things of our lives. There was a hard heart, and the only way they could feel alive is by doing sensual things. But when you meet Jesus, you have a different heart. And so he's saying, don't live that way anymore. And so they gave themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of, um, every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. Listen to this description. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. That's not the way of Jesus. Teaching them to obey all Jesus has commanded. That's not the way that Jesus taught. That's not the life that Jesus has called you to live. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth. That is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. You were taught with regard to your former life, like your BC life, before Christ's life. You were taught concerning those things. To put away your former life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Somebody say, put it on. To put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You and I, we were called to put away the old way and to put on a new way which is Christ, true righteousness, true holiness, just like him. The old you would have gone out every Friday and Saturday night and not given any thought to all of the pleasures, all of the fun, all of the things, but your new self knows that's not the best way to live my life. Like the old you would have been speeding 120 miles an hour, don't really care what the cops say, I don't care about authority, I don't care nothing for nobody. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. The new you has learned to respect and honor those in authority because that's the way of Jesus. The, the old you would have let that umpire have it, that he missed the balls and strikes, and he shouldn't have called your son out because your son is the superstar, and they should know that they ought not call them strikes, and that wasn't a strikes, and he needs glasses and needs to be healed by Jesus, and you're gonna, you, you would have let him know. And the new you is going to do better next time. It's just, didn't work out this time. We're going we're gonna to practice it next time. We're going to do a little bit, a little bit better next time. There are some old ways that you've got to put away and stop it. And there are some new things that you've got to start doing, put it on, and practice it. Therefore, verse 25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. He's talking about within the body of Christ. Quit lying to each other. Quit lying about size of your boat, the largeness of your bank account. Quit lying about it. Speak truthfully. Don't lie that everything's okay. When you need prayer, go get prayer. Be honest. 
one of the busiest places after Sunday service ought to be the prayer spot because I know y'all need prayer. But we don't do it because we don't want to actually speak truthfully. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a little foothold in your life. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Let me, let me rephrase that. Anyone who is taking advantage of an offering, of something available, ought to not do it any longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. The way of Jesus is to roll up your sleeves and get to work. To love God with all of your strength. Are there moments in your life where you're going to need help and need handouts and need assistance? Yeah. And should you feel shame about that? No. And if you're making other people feel shame that they need it, stop it. But those things are meant to give us a help so that we can stand on our feet and start contributing to the people around us so that we ourselves have something to offer, so that we ourselves can help other people experience the generosity of God, so that we ourselves can live in such a way that honors God. Some of you are like, I don't like this. Well, that's what the Bible says. It's the standard. And I don't get to adjust the standard for my comforts. I just have to recognize what it says and remember that there is a source that isn't me, but it is the spirit at work in me that allows me to walk these things out. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. I thought it was interesting that he starts talking about the words that you speak and not grieving the Holy Spirit. That verse is like stuck in the middle. You're like, huh? Like the record just like stops and the music stops. You're like, what are you talking about, Willis? Don't let any unwholesome talk out of my mouth. Yeah, don't tell dirty jokes. Don't let negativity flow out of my mouth. Be an encouragement to other people. Got it, got it, got it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What? And let go of all bitterness, rage, gossip, malice, slander. He goes right back into talking about your words. I wonder if we're not seeing the Spirit move in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives, because we haven't allowed the Spirit to fill our mouths in such a way that we're using our words the way God wants us to use our words. I wonder 
if the Holy Spirit has been grieved and recoiled in our lives because we haven't found one single kind, uplifting, honoring thing to say about an authority in your life. I wonder if the Holy Spirit has been recoiled because you can't help but gossip and talk bad and tell other people's story. Pastor, what do you mean by gossip? I mean when you're telling information that number one, doesn't belong to you. And number two, you're telling it in such a way that, that puts the other person in a less than flattering light and you don't have the ability, the authority, nor does that person who's listening have the authority or the ability or the relational equity or the responsibility to change anything about it. So we'll talk about our city commissioners, but we won't actually go talk to our city commissioners. We got real up in here. We just gossip. Talk about that one hussy that walks the halls in our school. and Talking bad about her. We just talk about our boss, the lazy workers, and the things, and the stuff that we come to church, oh, Holy Spirit, set me ablaze, set me ablaze. And he's like, I'm not sure I want to. Like, that's, that's a tough spot. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thankfulness. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, or such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, friends, don't be partners in that way. Let's get to verse 15. But be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't don't be foolish. Don't live in foolishness, not understanding what does it mean to walk and practice obedience according to the standard of God. Don't, Don't be foolish or ignorant about it. I'm telling you here. But understand rather what the Lord's will is for your daily life. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, here it is. Be filled with the Spirit. I read this list. I see these things and I'm like, I got a lot of practicing to do. A lot of things, Lord. I'm not sure I'm really walking that one out. And then I'm reminded. Jesus doesn't leave me powerless to obey these things. He doesn't leave you powerless to obey these things. Acts 1, in verse 4, Jesus says, But wait, and I will send you who I promised to send you, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will clothe you with power. 
from on high so that you can be Jesus' witness in every area and in every place that you would ever go. Jesus promised to give us the Holy Spirit who would empower us to live a God-honoring life, a Christ-like life, to be a witness of the goodness and grace of God so that when people look at your life and they see the transformation, they see the change, they see the different practices that you put in, they see that you're not doing the same thing on Friday night that you used to, they see that you're not flirting the same way you used to flirt, they see that you're not living in the same pattern of living, they see that you're not gossiping like you used to, they see that you're not speaking bad and criticizing and being critical of other people all the time, nonstop, they see that you're telling different jokes, they see that you're acting a different way, they see that you're not getting angry but you're quick to forgive, they see that you're doing different things, they might say, oh my gosh, something is different in them and then you can tell them of the love of God and it actually has an impact on their life because you're living according to the standard of God by empowered by the spirit at work in your life friends this is what he invites us into would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table at home would you grab your communion elements Friends, it's, it's easy to, to read this stuff and be like, I, mm, I don't know that I believe it. I don't know that I buy it. I'm definitely not sure I can do it. I know. I know. When I got to that part about not grieving the Holy Spirit two weeks ago, I can't tell you how much the Lord started to just convict me and show me instances of things that I've allowed to grow in my heart and come out of my mouth. And I'd stop and repent. I'd say, Lord, I, I need your help. Because I've got a mouth and I know how to use it. I'd rather have the Spirit work in my life get to say and do anything I want with my mouth. As we come to the Lord's table, we are reminding ourselves each week of the bread and the juice that is His body. And as we take it into our bodies, we are making a commitment that says, Jesus, you gave everything for me. So I'm giving my life to practice the obedience to walk like you walked on this earth. We, am, we, we receive these things in our bodies so that for the rest of the week, we can live out and be an embodiment of the love and the grace of our God in the world in which we live. This is what we do when we come to the table. Many of us in this moment, we know we need the Spirit to breathe fresh life into our hearts. Because we have been walking in our own and not being animated to live out His ways. And we need it to change. We need it to change. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute? 
We're going to linger here just for a minute. Knowing that we get to embody and participate in being like him in our world. Hear these words from St. Augustine's prayer. O Holy Spirit, descend plentifully into my heart. Enlighten the dark corners of the neglected dwelling and scatter thy cheerful beams within me. Let's take the bread. Now the juice. just kind of posture your hands out before the Lord. Father, here in this moment, we envision with our imaginations all of the things of our life, the attitudes, the habits, the patterns, the things that we do and say, Lord, the, the, the practices of our life. And Lord, we ask that this week you would just begin to reveal little by little in the gentle nudge that you do the practices and the way of our life that doesn't reflect the life of Jesus the Christian life the way of Christ Lord you would would you just begin to illuminate and shed light on those things in our hearts and our lives and our minds Lord we repent and we want to walk in your way we want to walk in obedience God we really do but God sometimes we feel so weak powerless. God, would you give us an awareness of our need for your spirit who empowers us to obey. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.